Genesis chapter 11. Story of the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen, I think, for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they, will, uh, they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they, do not, they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the people. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Any of you ever settled for anything? Wives, you can generally look at your husbands at this point. Um, there's always a reacher and a settler, okay? In every marriage, there's a reacher and a settler, and guys, let's be honest, we're generally the reachers, okay? Our wives, at least for me, I outkicked my coverage, I am out over my skis. If you know my wife, everyone's like, yes, you reached far. And she settled, God bless her heart, she settled so hard, um, but I, I, uh, we were having, I think we we're having our second child, and my wife convinced me that, that we needed a van. It still hurts my heart. Um, I'm not bitter. Um, we're working through it. I've been counseling over that for years. Um, but we needed a van. We needed a van, she said. Um, I still believe the four of us could have fit in a truck. I think still it would have worked just fine. No, we needed a van. So I said, fine, if we're getting a van, I'm going to pick it out. I don't know what she was thinking. She said, sure. So I go and find this van, and this van was awesome. It was not your typical van. Well, actually, everything was, but one little small part. Um, it had 20-inch rims on it. <laughs> Y'all know. Y'all know. Um, and I'm like, that's the van for me. That, that is, if I'm going to drive a van, that's going to be the van. It was shiny. It was bright, because he'd washed it, um, and it was new to me. And so I bought it, and I got it home. I did all the paperwork, and I was so proud of myself, because I did all the stuff that I don't know how to do. Um, and so I got the, the, the van home, and we're, we're working on it, and it's got the automatic sliding doors, or so I thought. It had sliding doors, but the automatic function had been disconnected, and like, I looked up, and it was going to be, like, another four or $500 to reconnect it or do whatever. It was, I don't remember what it was exactly. But so there was that problem, and then, and then there was another problem, and then there was another problem, and then there was another and another and another. But, man, did it have cool wheels on it. Um, and I realized that I had settled for something shiny that I wanted instead of something that I actually needed. And we've all been there. We all have stories where we are sure this is the best that it's not going to get any better than this. This is absolutely the best. And how often are we just flat out wrong? Because generally when we're looking at what is best, we're looking at what is shiny and bright and nice. And so these people in this story that says they come to the land of Shinar, which is, uh, became Babylon, 
And it was a place between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. It was beautiful and green and it was perfect. And it says that they settled there. Now in the context of the story, it's, it's simply that they stopped moving. They stopped moving. That was the settling. But I think it actually goes a bit farther than that. Because in Genesis 9, we won't look there, I'll just tell you, in verses 1 and 7, after the flood, God told his people to go, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the entire earth, to keep going until you reach the end of the earth. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Ooh, shiny, I'll stop. That's what they did. They got to the first place where they could grow crops, where they could do things, where they could settle down, and that's exactly what they did. I wonder how many of us in our walk with God, and we'll talk about this quite a bit later, have said this is the best it could ever get. And so we've planted. We've stopped. We've stopped progressing. We've stopped advancing. We've stopped moving with God because, oh, it is so good here. It's so perfect here. And I'm not, for us, I'm not talking about a specific location exactly. I'm talking about our relationship with God. Talking about how we interact with God. They were in direct violation of what God had called them to do. He said, be fruitful and multiply and go and continue to go and continue to go. And they said, I just, I don't, I don't think so. Because I wonder, just like that song was saying, God is so faithful. Were they doubting his faithfulness? Did they walk to the point where they thought, man, this, God cannot give us anything better than what we've got here. There's this beautiful river here and this beautiful river here and it's this fertile ground and we're going to sustain ourselves and we're going to stop here and this is going to be perfect. And they began to build out of fear. Now God never has a problem with you building out of faith. But he always has an issue when you build out of fear. So in verse 4 of chapter 11 it says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. I love that last part. Lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, that was the whole point. That was God's whole point. I want you to be dispersed over the entire earth. And they said, no, we don't want to. I like it here. It's like 65 all year long. It's wonderful. It only rains every now and then. There's definitely not snow and ice. No, this, this is us. This is where we need to go. And we're going to do stuff just so we can make sure we don't be dispersed. And if I'm God, I'm like, I just, I, because Jesus, again, is eternal like God. And I, this is how I always picture it. I always picture God and Jesus talking like, didn't we say? I remember saying, I, I, I'm, again, I'm all knowing, but I remember saying, to the ends of the earth. Go. All the way. Just keep going. That's what we said. Jesus is like, yes, that's exactly what you said. Okay. But they're not doing that. No. No, sir, they're not. No. They have stopped. And not only have they stopped, like they're not stopping for just a minute or two. No. We're going to build some stuff. And it says we're going to build a city. We're going to build a city. And the reason they built the city is so they wouldn't be dispersed. They begin to lay out the boundaries, 
They began to let, set stones. And it's really interesting. It says that they started to make bricks. This is the first time that you see in Scripture that they're, they're building bricks. They're building things out of bricks. It used to be that they would go and gather stones and come and drag those stones, but that was a very tedious process. First, you had to walk to the stone, which is exhausting, and then you had to carry the heavy stone back the same distance that you walked. It's not very productive. And so they got together and like, well, we're going to build some bricks. We're going to... We're going to build them, we're going to fire them, and they're going to be hard, and it's going to be nice, and we've got tar, and we're going to put them together, and we're going to build ourselves a city so we won't be dispersed. We're going to build something to ensure we don't do what God asked us to do. Anybody else ever see that in yourself? I am doing this so I for sure don't have to do what God asked me to do. When I was in, before I became a, a, a pastor, I was in law enforcement. And for about a year, I knew that God had called me into ministry. I just, I knew it. My, well, my wife knew it like a year before I did. Again, settler, reacher, we've been there. Um, she knew long before I did, and I finally came to her, and I was like, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. She's like, I'm glad you finally realized that. Um, and so, but I fought it because I just never thought I was good enough, and I still struggle with that. I still struggle with never feeling adequate enough to really preach God's word or lead God's people or anything like that. And so I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. I even was given a promotion like a month before I resigned. I, I even, I would say I knew I was gonna resign, but I took that promotion so I could make sure I didn't do what God called me to do. I built my city, put my walls up, I made sure that my city was big and strong so that I wouldn't have to do what God called me to do. Because what God calls you to do is generally scary. It's very safe here in my city. It's very safe. My other favorite part about building cities is I can decide who comes in and who comes out. I can keep all of them out there and all of us in here. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's good. We're going to keep all of them, whoever they are, you can decide. Anyone I don't like stays outside my city. Everyone I do like stays inside my city. It's perfect, and I won't be dispersed. I won't have to do what God has called me to do. So they built a city. They gathered instead of traveled. They were safe. Ooh, and then the other thing about the city is you get to create the laws. You get to create the laws within the city. These are the rules within our city. That city may have different rules, but this city, we have these rules and these regulations, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how you behave within our city. And if you don't like the rules of our city, I'll open the door so you can exit from our city. Because now you're one of them, not one of us. But then they said, we're going to go farther. This is not enough. We now need to build a tower. Because it's not enough for us to make sure we're not getting dispersed. Now we need to make sure that everyone knows how awesome we are. Everyone needs to know that we are super awesome. So we're going to build this really tall tower. And it's going to reach up to the heavens. Now, interestingly enough, other cultures would build these same kind of towers. And the purpose of the tower wasn't always to reach God. Generally, it was supposed to be like a, a staircase that God, their God, small g God, could walk down to interact with them. 
That'll become important here in just a minute in the story. But theirs was actually to reach God. Their tower wasn't so that God could come to them. They wanted to go to God. And that sounds great. When you just read it on its surface, that sounds really good. We're all supposed to be getting to God, right? We're supposed to find a way to get to God. And God's like, that's so cute. I never told you to do that. I like that you're trying to reach me, but he knows their hearts. And the reason that he was really, they were really trying to reach him wasn't because they wanted to be with him. It's because they wanted to be him. They thought that if they could actually reach heaven, then we can be equal to God. And then we'll definitely have made a name for ourselves. We will have definitely made a name for ourselves. The true problem was their motivation. Because again, God doesn't have any issue when you're building out of faith. He has an issue when you're building out of fear. And that's what they were doing. We need to make sure that everyone knows how great we are and how powerful we are. Because if we're really tall, we can make sure to see all the bad things that are coming. Because this doesn't work because I'm teaching from here. But this would actually have been in the middle of the city. And so you had the nice walls to make sure you were safe. But then you built this really tall tower so you could see all of them coming for us. We can make sure we're well defended. But if you turn back in Genesis chapter 3, just a few pages back in your Bibles... I want you to see this. Because this idea of wanting to be like God or wanting to be God is not new. They were not the first ones to deal with this issue. Genesis 3. We'll start in verse 1 so we get the whole context. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So God had made man and woman. He had made creation. He had put them in the Garden of Eden and said, do all these things, but don't eat from this one tree. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat from, the tree, from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die. I just reeks of sarcasm. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. It's the original sin. It's the original temptation. And let's be honest, it's our temptation today. It's our temptation today as much as it was in the garden, as much as it was for the tower, the people in the city of Babel that built the tower, is we want to be our own God. I want to be in control. I want to say what goes. I want to determine if I'm dispersed or not. If I think this is the best place for me, then by golly, this is the best place for me. If I don't want to talk to them, I don't have to talk to them because I've built my city, made my rules. I am my God. This is mine. God said, that's not at all what I told you to do. I told you to keep going. I told you to keep going. But we don't believe he's faithful. We don't believe he's good. We don't believe he's actually going to come through on what he said he's going to do. That is the problem. We always think that God has something behind his back. Like, here's this. It's nice. I know what I've got behind my back is better, but you can't have it. When in reality, God is like, this is, this is it. This is the best. It's the best. What I tell you is the best. It'll never be better. Now, the problem is we measure best in an incorrect fashion. Best is what makes us feel best. So much of what we think is best is what makes us happy. 
I heard someone say one time that, that what's the last thing that made you really, really happy? And, and their reply was, well, I got my package from Amazon. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? Don't even judge. But he stopped and he's like, wow, that like actually brought me true happiness. That this thing I wanted, that I bought, came and I got to open it. Like Christmas, it was awesome. But he realized that, that what is best or what we think is best, what makes us most happy is usually something very, very fleeting that only lasts a moment. And that's what ended up happening to the people in the town of Babel with the Tower of Babel. Is that what they thought would last forever was just for a fleeting moment. And they want to build this tower to make a name for themselves. They were going to work hard. They were going to build something new and they would say it was for God. They would say it was so that we could reach God but in reality, they were building it to make a name for themselves. And it says that God came down. Now it's really interesting in the, in the Hebrew there that, that phrase come down can also mean to stoop. Now I think it's actually correct. I think that God did come down. But I always pictured it like that they're trying to build this giant tower up to God and for God to stoop down. He's like, what are you doing down there? That's so small. They think that's big. That's not big at all. That's, that's really not. Oh, they're cute. And then he comes down and he realizes, oh, this is not good. This is not healthy. This is not okay. We need to correct this. None of us like that phrase correct this. We don't like that. Mm -mm. Discipline is not our favorite thing. But what we see here, and we can see that God kind of looks kind of like a jerk. Wait, 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 wait. They're doing all these things and nothing's going to be impossible for them because they've all got the same language. Ha ha! Let's scatter them and give them all different languages. It'll be fun. It'll be so much fun. Let's watch what happens. And that's what it can look like if you don't understand that God was trying to protect them. Have you ever realized that a lot of times what you really want is the thing that's worst for you? A lot of times what we really think we want to build a city and to build a tall tower is the worst thing for us. Because if they had succeeded, then they would have become their own God and that is the last thing that God wants for any of us. And so he scatters them. He forces them to do what he asked them to do because they weren't willing to do it on their own. I have to do this with my kids all the time. I have to force them to do what they need to do because they're not willing to do what they're supposed to do. Generally, it's brushing their teeth. That's, that's, that's my, that's my go-to when it comes to I will literally hold you down and brush your teeth. Because we've already paid for one cavity and we ain't got that kind of money, child. We're brushing these teeth. And if nothing else, I'm going to hold it open and squirt that in there and we'll just rinse it out. It's fine. Okay? But they don't, they're like, no, I want to play. I want to do this. I want to do this. We all have things we want to do that we think are best for us that they're actually the worst. And it's really interesting, this idea of God has called us to do something, but we're unwilling to do it. Now, in the story of the Tower of Babel, it's a very negative, and we get that. We get that that's a very negative. We shouldn't build a city that's just for us and not for them, and we shouldn't build this tower to make a name for ourselves. But what about when things are going really, really well? Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. 
give you a little context. This is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. He had ascended back into heaven and had released to the people the Holy Spirit, his spirit, his presence, not a smaller third part of the Trinity. God himself was given to his people to live inside of them. And on the day of Pentecost, God reverses what happened to the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, he gave them all different languages so they couldn't do what they wanted to do. But in the book of Acts, he brings them all back together and they can hear the gospel in one language. He reverses what he did at the Tower of Babel at Pentecost. And in Acts 2, verses 44 and 45. In Genesis 11, he had dispersed all of them. And in verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together. He brought them back together. They had been dispersed. He brought people back together. And they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now we look at that and we, we all want that. If we've said yes to Jesus, we've been in church more than about 10 minutes, we're like, let's do Acts chapter two, church. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna sell everything. And, and my, my best friend Josh was on the stage last week talking about that when we do that, it's, it's God's calling on our life and, and that's the real work of taking up our cross and, and carrying it is to, is to take care of everyone else and make sure that everyone else in our body is taken care of. I taught Two weeks ago, maybe, that we are to bear each other's burdens and carry each other's burdens. And I bro-hugged some guys, and we got pain all over each other. It was not as awkward as it sounds. Um, maybe it was. I don't know. For me, it wasn't. It was cool. Um, but we know this, and this is awesome. But we're forgetting that what God told his disciples to do. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus gathers up all his followers. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was their command. Very similar to what God said to the people in the book of Genesis. I want you to go. I want you to be fruitful and multiply and go. That is still the calling for every believer today. Okay? I got one, two. There we go. I got a couple amen. Some people understand. that The calling has not changed. But how many of us are really good at building our very safe cities and our towers so that we can be famous? Now in the book of Acts, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And God was adding to their number daily and it was amazing, but they still were not willing to go. For most of these people in the story, Jerusalem had probably been their home, probably been their parents' home, their grandparents' home, their great-granddaddy's home, their great-great-great-granddaddy's home. Everyone had lived within this area for a long time. This is what we were. They, even after they were exiled, they came back. This is our home. And it's really hard when God tells you to go from the place you're most comfortable. And again, for us, I'm not talking about a location. 
okay? This is not a message like y'all should leave this church. Don't do that. That's not what I'm after, okay? But in your walk with God, some of you have gotten real, real comfortable with your status quo. Some of you have gotten real, real comfortable. This is as close as my dad was to Jesus, and this is as close to my granddad was with Jesus, and this is as close to my great-granddaddy was with Jesus, so this is as close as I'll ever be to Jesus. No one in my family has ever led someone to Jesus, which I, I'm sorry, can we, like, side note, let me get on my soapbox for a second. Can we stop saying we led people to Jesus? You didn't do nothing. I can't lead myself, I can't, without GPS, I can't lead myself home and I live right there, okay? I ain't leading no one to Jesus. Jesus leads people to him, okay? I don't do nothing, you don't do nothing, but soapbox put away. Okay, so we get this idea that, that I've never seen anyone pray that prayer with people and, and help them walk to, towards Jesus and make a decision for Jesus. Well, if they didn't do it and they didn't do it and they didn't do it, then I'm gonna be real comfortable sitting in my city and they can just be out there. So in the book of Acts, they got real, real comfortable. You're taking care of me. I'm taking care of you. Look at us. This is awesome. Look at us. This is awesome. Look at us. This is awesome. Look at all God is doing for us. This is awesome for us, for us, for us. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. context for this one in Acts chapter 7 this man named Stephen is arrested and they say do you have anything to say for yourself and boy howdy does Stephen have some things to say for himself he basically starts at the beginning of Abraham and walks the Jewish people through you screwed up here you messed up here you did it wrong here you were awful here you were real bad there you got exiled that's because of all this and then this happened and this happened and then you saw Jesus the Messiah and you crucified him and they're like that's it you're done and they stoned him. He was the first martyr. But in, in Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of this execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. If we're not willing to do what God has asked us to do, he's going to make us do what he's asked us to do. I, for one, would much better be on the side of doing what God asked me to do than God making me do what he's asked me to do. Okay? Because this persecution, there's two sentences about it. You should do a little history lesson. Read about the Roman persecution of the Christian church. Ain't none of you want a single moment of that. We don't want to be in the place where we are forced to go. This morning, my hope is that we can choose to begin to examine each and every one of our bricks that we've built. And this is for, if you're here and you're a guest or you got roped into coming for some free lunch and you're here and you're like, I don't know nothing about this Jesus guy, I don't even know if I believe. This is for you too. Take your bricks that you've built your nice little city with. Because we've all done it. Every single person in this room, me included, we've built our nice safe city. Them out there, us in here, maybe that's just your family, maybe it's just your closest friends. 
but you've built it, and you begin to examine, is this helpful? Now, the truth is it's generally helpful for you, but whether you believe in Jesus or not, that's a pretty selfish way of living. So we begin to examine each and every brick that we've built, because that's what they did in Genesis 11. They built these. They took the time. This wasn't a snap decision. This wasn't a quick decision. This was a, we're going to make a plan, and we're going to put it together, and we're going to build this city, and we're going to examine every brick, and we're going to say, is this fear, or is this faith? Because if I built it in faith, we're good. We're okay. It's fine. But if I built it in fear, we've got to destroy it. You've got to destroy your city walls simply because you're afraid. And we all are. We all are. And if you turn on the news for just a second, you understand why. This world is crazy. There's been like four times this last week things have happened that I'll be sitting in my office and I'll just be like, God, can you come back now? It sucks down here. Seriously. Like, I know you get it because you see it and you were here, but I don't know, man. Like, we can't get along. We can't even talk about the basic fundamentals of life without wanting to throw blows at each other. We're killing each other. We're hating each other. Oh, of course I'm going to build my city. Keep them out there. Keep us in here. Now, the problem is, and I hesitated saying this, but I'm going to go ahead. You can all duck behind these if you need to throw something. The problem is churches do this too. It's nice in here. It's warm in the winter. It's cool in the summer. All of my people are here. We've made our rules. We've made our regulations. We've made our standards. And it's good in here. What about the people out here that are knocking? If we don't examine our walls, what we're saying to them, go to hell. Am I wrong? If, if we've built walls that keep anyone outside, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. If we've built walls that keep anyone outside, God's going to come and be like, oh, that's not what I told you to do. Not all I told you to do. But God, look at our monument. Look at our monument. We built this for you. It's the biggest. We're the closest to God in this town. I'm telling you. We got the biggest monument. It's our holy monument. It is so big. It is so beautiful. You should look at it. That's not really that big. It's not nearly as impressive as you think it is. Oh, and by the way, I never asked you to build a temple. I said, you're the temple. Remember in the book of Acts where I gave you that spirit thing? Yeah, that's, that's actually a thing. And you're the temple. And, and, and don't ever make a name for yourself. Because Jesus, I love this. Jesus gathered up his friends. He gathered up his guys. He's like, guys, guys, huddle. Team huddle. Without me, just so you know, just so we're all clear. Without me, you can't do anything. I'm talking nothing. Thomas, try breathing. <laughs> See, you can't. I let you. Now you can breathe again. That's how Brian, that's the new Brian edition. That's how I read it. Because if I'm Jesus, that's what I would have done to prove my point. Like, you can't do nothing. I'm actually, stop your breathing. Ha <laughs> ha, there you go. Your turn. There you go. 
That's why I'm not God. We're all safe. But he does. He says, guys, apart from me, you can do nothing. But God, I'm going to build you a tower so I can get closer to you. Hmm. You'll never be closer to God than you are right now. If you've said yes to Jesus, the Bible says that you are one with him, whether you feel it or not. I had a college roommate whose dad said, generally in life, son, because he's like me, we're, we're, we were big feelers, that's why we didn't get along all the time, we were big feelers. He said, son, what I want you to do, I just want to take your nice, pretty little feelings that you got, I want you to wad them up. And he literally went to our dorm window, slid it open, and I said, I want you to throw them out. That's not the truth. The truth is you are one with God. You don't need to build a monument. You don't need to build a city. You're safe because your eternal soul has been secured with God. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Be afraid of the one who can kill you. Like, we got to start looking at what we're doing. Start individually first. We gotta start individually first. We gotta start looking, who am I keeping out of my life? Now, sometimes, okay, let's, sometimes you're keeping those people out because they're not healthy for you. Okay, build that. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a faith wall, okay? That's a faith wall. That's not a fear wall, okay? The fear wall is I can't go near you because your sin and what you're doing, it's gonna rub off on me. And I can't be associated with you because if I'm associated with you, all of my friends here in my city are going to judge me. That's what I'm talking about. We've got to look at that individually. And we've got to look at this tower that we've built and realize I'm not fooling anybody. This, this tower is about me. This ain't about God. This tower is about me so I can make a name for myself. So that people will know that I believe in Jesus. I wear the t-shirts. I got the bumper stickers. I only listen to the K-loves. I only go to, I only play upward soccer. And I only do, what's the basketball one? The Christian basketball, the Christian soccer, the Christian this, the Christian that. I am only associated with Christian people. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because if I only associate with Christian people, I am so close to God. And Jesus is like, when I was there, all those people, I was real tired of them. I was real tired of him. I was tired of all that nonsense, and I told him so. You are a whitewashed tomb. You look real good. You look real good. Gotten buttoned up to the top. Got your sport coat on. You got your tie all the way up to the top. You look real good. But inside, you're dead. You are dead inside. Because the spirit's not there. He had no time for religious nonsense. And then we got to look corporately at this church, at this body, our people. And I love you guys. I love you guys so much, but we've got to begin to look unintentionally a lot of times. I'll say that that way. Unintentionally a lot of times, we've built up walls that keep people out. We've made rules, we've made regulations, we've made traditions that are keeping people from coming to us. The Bible calls them stumbling blocks. And so what we do is we just keep digging down and we keep digging down and we keep moving blocks until we get down to the base. And if that base isn't the chief cornerstone, 
which is Jesus, we don't start building. Individually and corporately. And so if you're here this morning and you got roped in for some church because of some free lunch, or you're here because mommy and daddy make you be here, you're here this morning to hear that if you've built your life on anything but Jesus, it's going to fail. For most of my life, I had built my life on myself, doing what I could accomplish. I was my own God. And in 2001, I was torn down to the studs. I was torn down to the foundation, and I realized this foundation will not get me anywhere. Apart from God, I could do nothing. So on April 8th, 2001, I decided, or God decided, I don't care what your theology is, I'm going to rebuild my foundation. I'm going to start with Jesus. And for most of my life, I've, 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 I've tried to build, and I've tried to build, and I've tried to build, and I just, I try and get closer to God, and it's just, God keeps reminding me, the foundation's all that matters. Everything else I'm building is probably just for me. What's the foundation? Because if they had built a tower out of faith with God as the cornerstone, the story of the Tower of Babel doesn't exist. But they became selfish. They became about themselves. And corporately, as a church, we need to get back to that. And I know we can. And if you know me, I'm... I'm I'm one to not look back very often. I think we should be looking forward most times. I think we should be looking forward at what God's going to do. We can celebrate what God's done, don't get me wrong, but we don't need to go backwards. We need to be moving forwards. But I'm going to remind us of some stuff. If you've been here for a little while, when I met Jesus in 2001, that was only because this church had, had built a foundation in their student ministry that their students should talk and make friends with the worst of the worst. They should make friends with drug addicts. They should make friends with alcoholics. They should make friends with those who are violent. They should make friends with... Now, they did it in a safe way because I always went to their house. I always went to their house. They never came to mine. I always went to their house. I met their family. You had a youth pastor who took a guy who knew nothing and helped him to fall in love with the Bible. And then, and then over here... Over here, once a month, we would light a candle for every person who'd come to Jesus based on something we were doing. When's the last time we could light a candle? Yep, that keeps people out. Yep. Yep. The commandment's still the same. Go and make disciples. 
of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you to do. And behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. And it's messy. And it ain't safe. what our cornerstone asked us to do. It's the calling of God on our lives and this church. And if this church continues to build walls, let's not, not this church, that, that, you know, that ugly Baptist one down the street, I'm sure they're doing terrible things. If they continue to build walls, What's God gonna do? He's going to disperse them. Because God will get what he wants. Hop on board with what he wants us to do.